following is a presentation of Prepared to Answer, a ministry devoted to seeing a new generation of Christians experience life transformation through a renewed mind by teaching them to think like Jesus. Should Christians be concerned about social justice? The question almost answers itself. Of course we should. After all, since God is unquestionably concerned with justice, how can his children be any less? Indeed, it was for justice that Jesus came. In Isaiah 42, 1 and 3, God says, Behold my servant, whom I uphold, my chosen one in whom my soul delights. I have put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. A bent reed he will not break, and a dimly burning wick he will not extinguish. He will faithfully bring forth justice. One of the increasing difficulties that Christians face is that while we use the same words as the world around us, we often don't attach the same meaning to them. Many topics could illustrate this, but maybe one of the most relevant to our current cultural climate are the words social and justice. Social justice. What does social mean? It might seem simple enough to define social. Human beings are by nature social and So by virtue of living and interacting together, we form social groups or societies. The field of sociology studies these interactions in order to understand what influences our behaviors, attitudes, and cultures. The problem for Christians is that we don't agree with our culture on what humans by nature are. The reason we're social is because we're made in the image of a triune God, who is an eternally unified society of three, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Therefore, understanding our social nature and how human society should function begins with God's nature, not mere observation of human behavior. That's why the doctrine of the Trinity is so important. Only the eternal loving fellowship of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit can supply a true model for human social order. How is God social? At the most basic level, God's social nature is characterized by his other-focused, reciprocal, self-giving love. This is reflected in Jesus' prayer to the Father in John 17. He says, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your Son, so that the Son may glorify you. Father, glorify me together with yourself, with the glory which I had with you before the world existed. For you loved me before the foundation of the world. Herein we find what should be the organizing principle for human social order. Regardless of what broken or sinful dynamics are at work in society, Christians must operate understanding that the ideal for human society is the eternal, relational, self-giving love existing within our triune creator. Of course, this has an unbreakable connection to the issue of justice. Social justice. What does justice mean? In our last podcast episode entitled, Why is Everything Today About Race, Gender, and Identity? We introduced some of the core assumptions behind the critical social theories that shape how people today think about social justice. Maybe the most pervasive is the Marxist theory that human society is fundamentally organized by power struggles between dominant oppressor groups and subordinate oppressed groups. There's no question that human sin produces power struggles and oppression within society, And yes, this plays a significant role in issues of justice. But the error we must avoid is viewing human society and its problems through such a narrow and unbiblical lens. That's because it unnecessarily defines all relationships and identity distinctions in terms of conflict 
rather than in relation to God's creation design. Here's a quote reflecting this conflict binary from a popular contemporary social justice textbook that colleges and universities use today. It says, All major social group categories, such as gender, are organized into binary either-or identities, for example, men or women. These identities depend upon their dynamic relationship with one another, wherein each identity is defined by its opposite. Not only are these groups constructed as opposites, but they are also ranked into a hierarchy. This means that one group, men, is positioned as more valuable than its opposite, women. For critical social justice theory, the problem isn't that group categories like men and women can be abused. The problem is that they exist at all. On this view, all social binaries are inherently adversarial in their pursuit of power. Therefore, justice is achieved by identifying the social structures which grant oppressors power and deconstructing them. Two problems with critical social justice theory. Here are just two of the many problems with this view. First, the only way to divest a power structure of its power is through the exertion of power. In effect, bringing justice to the oppressed comes by oppressing the oppressors. In the end, it looks more like retribution than justice. And once the oppressors become oppressed, the moral authority to pursue justice falls back into their camp. A perpetual cycle of power struggle seems to be the best it can offer. Second, it denies the very good and beneficial social structures within God's design for society, most notably those in marriage and the family. It also rejects God's gift of leadership and authority. Of course, these can and have all been abused at some point. The solution, however, is to pursue their just use, not throw them out altogether. What is biblical justice? Since God created humanity, and therefore human society, to reflect himself, it stands to reason that he's where we must begin to define real social justice. In him we find the perfect image of justice in the relational unity that exists in the Trinity. Realizing this, we immediately find ourselves at irreconcilable odds with contemporary culture's critical social justice theories. The two things that contemporary social justice theories can't abide are true categorical distinctions and hierarchy. And yet in God, we find both. The very essence of God's social nature is the distinction between the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit living in a hierarchy of submission. We see this reflected so clearly in Jesus' words. For instance, in John 5, verse 19 to 20, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, the Son can do nothing of himself unless it is something he sees the Father doing. For whatever the Father does, these things the Son also does in the same way. For the Father loves the Son and shows him all things that he himself is doing. Or later in John 14, 31, Jesus says, So that the world may know that I love the Father, I do exactly as the Father commanded me. And a little earlier, in verse 26, he says to his disciples, But the Helper, the Holy Spirit whom the Father will send in my name, he will teach you all things and remind you of all that I said to you. And then in chapter 15, verse 26, Jesus says, When the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, namely the Spirit of truth who comes from the Father, he will testify about me. I like the way that Joe Boot puts it. He says, As the Father glorifies the Son, the Son glorifies the Father, 
as each gives the other his due as God. Moreover, the Holy Spirit, who likewise mutually indwells the other persons of the Godhead, in giving the Father and Son their due, is not overlooked. That's a good way of thinking about it. True justice means giving people what's due them, according to the place God has given them in the world. For Christians, this means gratefully accepting the place God graciously gives to us in Christ. And out of that place of security, selflessly submitting to others by giving them their due as people made in his image. Conclusion There are many positives to our present culture's concerns for social justice. However, as we seek the pursuit of social justice as God desires, we must be sure to let scripture, and not culture, guide our understanding of what social justice really means. This may take a great deal of thought and courage. Of course, the place for Christians to begin pursuing justice is in the church. This is where we show justice first, by applying the truest expression of justice, namely, love for one another. For as Jesus commanded us in John 13, I am giving you a new commandment, that you love one another, just as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this all people will know that you are my disciples, if you have love for one another. The preceding has been a part of the recording ministry of Prepared to Answer. For more resources to help you become more confident in living out and defending your faith in Jesus Christ, visit us at www.preparedtoanswer.org or on Facebook and Instagram at Prepared to Answer. Thanks for joining us, and may the Lord bless and keep you.